Like it's at his, it's, he's at a concert and he's raising the roof. He's raising the roof. <laughs> he's at a concert in 2002 and he's raising the roof. Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Thank you for joining us for episode 27. Today we're going to cover just a couple topics. We've got bottle feeding and bottle sanitization. But first, how about some updates? Justin? Yes, our boy Nico is 13 weeks, and actually he just passed the three-month mark, so I guess I should say he's three months old officially. Nice. And we got in the mail, uh, we talked about this a few episodes back, but we received finally his um, report of birth for the American side and his passport. Oh, nice. That's quicker than I expected, actually. Yeah, it probably took three weeks or so from uh, the day we had the appointment until the day it arrived in the mail. But yeah. that was pretty exciting. In the back of my mind, I was expecting the passport to be like two inches tall, you know, like a baby's passport. <laughs> and he just fits in his little hands. But it's a full-size passport, same as mine, actually. And it's got his handsome little baby's photo in there. Now that you say that, I wish they had a baby-sized passport. For yeah. <laughs> and instead of actual like content and information, it was just sort of squiggles and gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> You do all the work and you get sort of a nonsense passport back. That was my dream. It didn't happen that way. Uh, The funny thing is for a child's passport, it goes for five years. You know, an adult gets 10 years on a passport. So you'll have to renew after five. uh, But kind of the funny thing is you'll have a five-year-old child who's still got his, you know, two-month-old photo for identification purposes at some point. Right. I'm actually surprised it doesn't, they don't make a kid do it more often because of how fast they grow and change. Yeah. Just for the purposes of actually IDing them, I guess all the criminal element is erased with a kid. So there's less to worry about. Um, Mm. I guess you could still have a child like overstay a visa or something, but um, at least they're probably not into drug trafficking. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is just the negative side of me coming out, but I'd be more concerned about like abductions and just using yeah. some random other kid's passport. Yeah, that would be the, the main concern, I bet. But for some reason, five years cuts it and somehow uh, hmm. a customs officer can look at a two-month-old photo, compare it to a five-year-old, and that's good enough for them. The uh, birth certificate, or a, I guess it's called like the consular report of birth abroad, um, mm. That came and it's a very official looking like certificate, uh, like you might imagine a college diploma or something looks like or a, a good old fashioned birth certificate. It's got a really intense plasticky stripe that's like a hologram going down through it. I don't know if hologram is the right word, but, you know, it's one of those that looks like it's several inches deep, but it's just on flat paper, of course. Right. And uh, it's all in cursive and it's it looks lovely. So and you guys didn't have to do the name change. So the name's the same, right? Well, we added a middle name and all that's reflected in the documents. So, you know, Japan is a two name country, but we added uh, my wife's maiden name as our son's middle name. And that all went off without a hitch. So it was included in all the documents and it's all good. When you were filling out the main, I think it's, what is it? The DS 2029? Yes. Did you write his name in English as you wanted it to appear on that consular report? Yeah, that's a good question. That's one I wrestled with. I did it both ways and printed off both and took them with me. And then (laughs) I handed in the one I wanted to work, which was printing his name with a middle name, which, you know, technically hadn't been approved yet and obviously wasn't written on the Japanese documents. But I thought 
you know, that's how I want the paperwork to process is with the middle name. So that's what I handed in. And then you hand in the letter that says I would like to change his name to this. And then it all worked out. Okay. I assumed that's the way you do it. And that's the way we're doing it with ours too. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. It's always a, a real like troubling thing is you never want to get the paperwork wrong. So I end up running off two or three versions of the paperwork and I always make yeah. a file called main. And then I make a second file called alternates. Man, and, you're prepared. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm ready to <laughs> slot things in. I have like alternate photos, alternate paperwork. <laughs> I, it, my meticulous nature comes out in the official paperwork. All right, and I'll take a note from your book and do the same then. That was all really for the updates. Um, you know, you get into the holding pattern. I feel like the first month is all about change. And then even from the second month, the routines settle in. And so like, you know, weeks mm. 12 to 13, 13 to 14, there's not that much like different that's going to happen. Oh, I should yeah. say we got our second round of uh, vaccinations. That was the other update. Oh, and this time was a single shot and I dreaded it. But again, he cried only for the moments that the needle was in his arm and it needles mm. out and then he, he dried right up and he was like a giggly, happy boy eating normally, <laughs> being silly and talkative within a few minutes. So he's really responsive mm. to just what's happening in that second. And then right. it quickly goes away if the pain stops or if he's not hungry anymore, he he changes his tune really quickly that's nice uh anyway he's gotten a total of four shots three the first time one the second time and he's a real trooper i think it's much better to get one shot you know because the three it's like when is this gonna stop and he gets right. frantic but yeah the one shot it was just in and out and it was over that's good yeah but how about coda he's doing pretty good no real updates this week uh no more health issues thankfully his acne is almost gone mm-hmm. um his eye issue is non-existent this week, so I think it was just a little fluke last week. But he's been all smiles this week. Like suddenly, mm-hmm. like there was a switch that flipped, and mm-hmm. he's just smiling like at everything, mm-hmm. which That's has been great. pretty great. It's really, it's really nice to see your kid recognize you and then smile at you when you smile at them. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week. Has it been mostly with people or will you show him a book or a toy or something and he cracks up at that too? Yeah, it's not so much like cracking up, but sometimes he'll just see something and like it and then just be all smiles for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been, you know, people and books and whatever. Yeah, we we had one day where uh, I was, Nico was like sort of napping and laid down on the bed. And uh, I happened to be look at, looking at him when he woke up and he uh, opened his eyes and blinked a couple times and just stared at the ceiling and was just like, hey, 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 <laughs> a big smile on his face. <laughs> it's like you've been awake for four seconds and you're just loving it already. So nice. I don't know what was going through his mind, but yeah, sometimes they do just go wild. It's uh, the ceilings, man. They love the ceilings. They love a ceiling. <laughs> And if you go to a new place, they're like, what is up with this ceiling? It's like a crazy ceiling. Yeah, new collection of (laughs) lights and colors and stuff up there. Uh, Yeah. But our we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, Nico definitely loves to see people, especially if he hasn't seen them for a while. Like if uh, Hmm. my wife or I leave the house for a few hours and then come back. When he sees us after, you know, we've been out for a few hours, he's just loving it. Big smile on his face, a lot of eye contact. 
or if he sees somebody new, uh, just like when he met his great grandmother a week or so ago, or he sees, you know, one of our friends who comes over for the, even for the first time, uh, mm. he just gets a big broad smile on his face. So I think he knows what a face is. He likes to see people he recognizes. And then he also mm. really likes to see totally new faces as well. Is there a distance where he's more recognizable or more able to recognize the faces? Is it like two feet away when they come in or is it like right in front of him when they're holding him? Yeah, I guess uh, to really home in on the face, it is helpful to be like a foot or two feet away. But his vision seems to be really good and he'll follow your movements around, you know, from two rooms away. He can see people moving and then you'll Mm. notice that he's like watching you go here and there. Uh, The pediatrician at his last vaccination appointment even commented that his vision seems to be pretty good. Uh, She you know, nice. like touched a toy that was attached to the wall on the other side of the office. And he stared at that toy. And then she had some other toys that she sort of waved around at the far side of the room and he was following them with his eyes. So he's definitely mm-hmm. got several meters worth of vision at this point. And uh, I don't know if he can like identify a face from across the room, but he definitely checks things out. Nice. Uh, anything else up with Coda this week? Kind of. We've upped his diaper sizes and we've... Mm-hmm up to his feeds because everything's growing he's growing his poops are growing his appetite's growing it's all getting bigger yeah he's the little he's a pawn on the chessboard and he's just moving one square forward at a time yep just advancing (laughs) to get into the chess analogies too early but uh yeah that's a milestone and it is interesting diaper sizing the first diapers that you have are newborn diapers then you get into small then you get to yeah. medium, then you get to large, and you know what comes after large? Pants. There's oh, there's a size called big. <laughs> so, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, newborn, small, medium, large, big. I just learned uh, that this week. Uh, but yeah, we're still firmly in small territory right now. Yeah, it's weird switching up the diaper size, because like, the uh-huh. ranges on the diapers, you're like, well, he's still able to fit in this, so we should use it. But yeah. then like you notice like, oh, he peed twice and it's starting to like seep through. Yeah. So clearly he's not. But then you go up the size into the small and you're like, man, it's a little big on you. But again, he's probably just at the small end of that. But, you know, he's filling it up correctly. Yeah. The transition time, as I've talked about many times, that's when we were worried most about uh, diaper explosions. That's when they happened the most because, um, you know. Mm. he's a small fish in a big pond with that diaper and uh <laughs> he's just his legs aren't filling it out and it leads right. to all kinds of chaos but he's grown into it now and he's a real chunkster so nice. no worries yeah coda's starting to fill out a bit getting a bit chunkier i think he just crossed the five kilogram mark this week we kind of weighed him at one of those uh shopping mall scales they have in the 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 feeding rooms. So oh, not, not for big... like produce, but for actually for babies. Right. <laughs> I've never seen a produce scale here. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They're all over the U S I never thought about it until you said that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they never sell fruits. They don't weigh stuff by weight. And if they do, it's already wrapped and priced. Yeah. They generally do it for you anyway. So they need these scales in the, in the baby changing areas because they don't have produce scales. So that's where you bring your produce as well if you need to. (laughs) If you want to verify that they didn't put a thumb on it from the beginning. Uh, So he cracked the 5K mark, did he? Yes. Yes, he did. 
uh, Nico's past 6K. He's probably well past it now. I'd guess he's like six and a half kilograms. But mm. yeah, that's weird. As they both gain weight, the like percentage difference goes smaller. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like they're always getting a bit closer in size. Yeah, I assume the the rate to catch up for Coda is a little bit faster in the beginning, but now that he's getting closer, the, the rate is slowed down a bit. We'll have to track this weight as time goes by and see if and when uh, Coda passes Nico or equals him or something. That's really interesting to me because they develop so much in the beginning and there are market differences. Mm. But then it's like anything else in life. Like, you know, when they're 10 years old, seven weeks is going to make no difference whatsoever, you know? And I wonder when the seven week difference becomes negligible, you know, like maybe at a year, seven week difference is negligible, but that's all I've got for the updates. Uh, If you are fine too. Yep. Me too. We can segment it right up. Segment time. kick off segment time sure one question i had uh was uh, this is not in my question for you obviously i'm not jumping the gun but a okay. question i asked myself this week was um at what point do you stop sterilizing bottles and baby items um mm. and if you don't have a kid uh, you might not be well versed in the methods of sterilization but um what we have and what's very common in Japan is called a Milton. Do you have a Milton? We don't. We use, uh, I think it's an off-brand one called Lek. Lek. Beautiful name. And the sanitizing fluid is called Choo Choo. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, we were a Milton family. I mean, we didn't seek it out. Uh, we just got it from someone used, actually. But we struck while the iron was hot and uh, mm. we're or a brand name Milton family. But all the Milton is, is a plastic bucket and it's got a lid on it and it's got some tongs so that you can dip things into it. Um, so you'll have this bucket on your counter that uh, it has a, a mark in the middle that's two liters. A mark at the top is four liters. We just fill it hmm. up to two liters. And then you drop in a tablet uh, that is called Milton CP. Uh, the CP stands for childproof, strangely enough. Um, hmm. I think it's a slight misuse of the, the term childproof, but a Milton CP is a little, uh, basically a sodium tablet that you drop into the water and it makes it, um, you know, good for sterilization. So yeah. our typical um, process is you wash a bottle or a pacifier or a breast pump or anything uh, that the baby's going to come in contact with. And uh, you give it a scrub with special baby soap and then you drop it into this sterilizing water uh, you close up the bucket and you're supposed to let it sterilize, I think for an hour and then you can take it out. We leave it in for, you know, hours at a time until we do the next round of washing. And, uh, the water is only good for a day. So every day you have to dump it, refill it, put in a tablet, and then, you know, keep up this whole regime of sterilizing. Uh, if you don't do the Milton, then, you know, it's like boiling or you could steam clean things or you could bleach things, but all of this is part of sterilizing baby items. And I was wondering, when does that stop? But uh, before I get into mm. that, what's your process with sterilizing? Yeah, it's basically the same. Ours, it doesn't have, it has like an extra tray inside, which allows for microwaving the whole unit together to sterilize if you don't mm-hmm. want to use kind of the, the sanitization fluid. Mm-hmm. But ours is like a liquid fluid. 
So you actually have to measure it out. We put two liters in as well. And then you measure out, I think it's like maybe 10 to 20 milliliters and dump that in and then mix it. Mm-hmm. And I've always been confused because it says 24 hours. How do they know? And then <laughs> if I'm if I'm going up to three liters and I'm using extra fluid, like wouldn't that last longer then? Yeah, yeah. You've got like more fluid per item to be sanitized. Right. It should go for a while. Yeah, the whole thing's a scam to me. It's a whole, <laughs> the whole thing's a scam. Well, uh, I'm one of those people. I don't know if this makes me a conspiracy theorist or something. Uh, I don't think it does, but I always think that germs are good. Germs are valuable because how else is your body going to adapt to all the germs you're going to encounter if you're right. not getting at least a slight stream of germs from the very beginning? So right. I'm, you know, always looking forward to my kid playing out in the park, out in the dirt, or being on the dusty floor or whatever, I look at all that as positive uh, right. because it's not going to kill him. It's just going to make him stronger and then a healthier boy going forward. So I'm always leery when it's like, okay, now dip this in alcohol, now boil it, now you know, wash it off, right. now dip it in the sanitizing fluid. And that makes me a little bit afraid uh, for his future. So I'm always somewhat motivated to sort of get off the... Um, the sanitization path. And I started looking into it a little bit. The first reference that I'll go into naturally is what to expect the first year by Heidi Murkoff. Uh, so I looked up bottle feeding safety or sorry, I looked up bottle feeding safely. Uh, this is on page 128, 129 of the completely revised and updated third edition. And there's one bullet point that says, here's another step you can save bottles and teats or nipples, I guess, don't need to be sterilized with special equipment. Dishwashers or sink washing with detergent and hot water, get them clean enough. If your baby's doctor does recommend sterilizing for any reason, it's easy to do. Just submerge the bottles and teats in a pot of boiling water for five minutes, then let them air dry. And Mm. that's pretty much the beginning and the end of it. They just mention sterilizing that far and they say, don't do it. But then if your doctor tells you to, here's one method, just boiling. So uh, kind of a lack of detail there. Um, but I was interested to see that their opinion is, uh, you know, it's it's not a necessary thing. Yeah, I was just thinking, I don't remember, like, when I was younger, I, uh, I was in the same house with my niece and nephew when they were growing up. And I don't remember ever sterilizing their bottles or seeing mm-hmm. my sister do it. But we had a dishwasher, which was effectively... Yeah. A sterilizer. Mm-hmm. So I think in a, in at least in Western countries where there's a dishwasher, that's kind mm-hmm. of the assumption. Like the dishwasher is going to do that. Yeah, that's something. I, you know, I read about this a bit more because the what to expect entry was so brief, um, and I encountered that in my reading, saying that you know if you have a dishwasher, there are settings on the dishwasher that are like a steam clean or like a very mm. high heat sort of a thing, and yeah. that amount of heat uh, is equivalent to sterilizing. It's killing the germs in the same way. So you can rely on it. So maybe because I can't remember seeing it either. I had two younger sisters in the house, um, you know, that I was older and like Mm. changed their diapers and, you know, fed them a bit and saw them grow up. And I can't really remember a big sterilizing push, but it was probably just the dishwasher. Yeah, I think so. But it sounds like from the book, like they're saying, like not even the dishwasher is needed. Like it's just like you could just hand wash them and let them dry. Yeah, uh, the book kind of indicates that. Um. So wanting a bit more info, I went to the CDC website. This is, of course, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, in the United States. 
and they have an entry called Frequently Asked Questions on Cleaning Infant Feeding Items. It's very specific. Yeah, very specific. I guess they have, like, <laughs> how many pages must be on the CDC website that they got this deep, you know? But I gleaned a few bits of wisdom from that site. First of all, they say that, you know, you should do basic cleaning and their basic cleaning is just common sense stuff. They say like, take the items apart, uh, you know, bottles, like, you know, screw the tops off or if it's a breast pump, there'll be five or six mm. components. The dishwasher is okay. Hand washing is okay. Use warm soapy water, uh, wash baby items separately from other items, like your regular dishes, you know, use the uh, baby mm. soap, or at least to keep the the types of grime and filth that you'll be encountering, like, you know, grease and stuff like that. Obviously, keep your other dishes separate and then to air dry those things. That would probably extend to using a separate washcloth than if you're doing it by hand. Yeah, I imagine so. Also a separate area for drying, which um, I don't mm. know if you have this, but we have like a, a little, it's like what you would imagine an old fashioned bread box would be. Uh, sort of a mm. boxy, this is white plastic though, a uh, boxy thing that goes on the counter and it's got a, a lid that slides up and slides down and we put a towel in the bottom of that and dry all of the baby's items in there. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. No, we don't use that. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, we, we kind of air dry in a separate location, I guess. Um, but then the CDC website goes on to talk about sanitization specifically, which is the more intense, you know, bleaching or, or what have you, uh, okay. or the Milton CP like I use. Uh, the question, as it's posed on the website, says, how often should baby bottles be sanitized? And they answer, if your baby is less than three months old, was born prematurely, or has a weakened immune system due to illness such as HIV or medical treatment such as chemotherapy for cancer, sanitizing feeding items daily or more often is particularly important. Daily sanitizing of feeding items may not be necessary for older, healthy babies if those items are cleaned carefully after each use. So hmm. this is the kind of detail that I was looking for. And these are the markers that you should look out for. First of all, three months is a good uh, sort of boundary and Nico's just turned three months and it says um, if the baby was premature then it might need more sanitizing uh, weakened immune system or if the baby's undergoing some type of medical treatment so it's basically like a protective layer for a baby who's got other problems I think gotcha. and when a baby's a newborn you're never quite sure what problems the baby has so you might as well take the step mm -hmm. but then if you see a few months of evidence of your baby being healthy it seems like you can just go to regular wash and not worry about it too much. Then the, the article goes into more detail. It says, how do I sanitize infant feeding items for extra protection? Um, they write a note at the beginning of this answer that says, if you use a dishwasher with hot water and a heated drying cycle or sanitizing setting to clean infant feeding items, a separate sanitizing step is not necessary. So they specifically say that the dishwasher is fine if you've got like the hot water, heated drying, or sanitizing. Gotcha. And it says for extra germ removal, sanitize feeding items at least once daily is their baseline recommendation. Then the ways you can do it, you can boil the items, uh, which again, uh, just like the What to Expect book said, boil for five minutes, submerge them, you know, remove mm. with clean tongs. Uh, then you can do uh, steam cleaning, which is your microwaving method that you talked about. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, whatever mechanism you're using, just follow the manufacturer's instructions for sanitizing, cooling and drying. Uh, then there's a bleach option, uh, which the CDC recommends two teaspoons of unscented bleach per gallon of water. Teaspoons. 
Yeah, two yeah, teaspoons and <laughs> gallons. That's our give me milliliters. <laughs> yeah, we need some mills here, people. But a gallon, I think, is three point eight liters. So call it like four liters, roughly. And teaspoons, a couple of spoonfuls, <laughs> averageish, <laughs> smallish spoonfuls. Put the items underwater, and then you need to um, soak them for mm. two minutes. Remove with tongs. Wait a minute, two minutes? It says soak items in solution for at least two minutes. That's crazy fast. With bleach, yeah. I'm pretty sure the one that we use is bleach. Oh, really? It smells, it smells like a swimming pool. Mm, and yeah. It says to do it for an hour. Yeah, well, ours also recommends an hour. Um, I looked up the ingredients on ours, which is Milton CP, and it's a little uh, white chalky tablet. It's like an Alka-Seltzer. You drop it in and it fizzes and disappears within about a minute. Oh, man, I miss Alka-Seltzer. Yeah, Alka-Seltzer. Those are the good old days. <laughs> Alka-Seltzer used to whack me out. I mean, I was just like, what's going on after a couple of Alka-Seltzers? No, man, those are the only ones that you could take on a cold and function. <laughs> yeah, those but... were like my go-to. Yeah, they were good, but man, it, it put me out. Of you could get the ones that whack you out, though. Yeah, yeah. It was Kentucky, so I might have accidentally been doing meth. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, anyway... <laughs> It says here the ingredients in a Milton CP. Uh, they're all things that I can't really pronounce. There's sodium dichlorocyanurate, 500 Sounds milligrams. Good. Uh, then that's the active ingredient. And then it's inactive ingredients, which include sodium hydrogen carbonate, adipic acid, and sodium carbonate anhydrous. So three out of the four things have sodium in the title. But um, anyway, hmm. that's that's what you're dealing with there. No idea what those things are, but feel free to look them up in your own time. And yeah, that's that's what we do. That's our Milton CP method. My wife and I talked about it a bit, and we're now considering like moving off of the sanitization and just uh, removing one step of baby duty from our life. Baby duty, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and we're, you know, anything you can do to like get past something I think is beneficial because there are a mm. hundred new routines you need to insert into your life. And if you can put one of them to bed, then it'll save you that much worry and time. Not not just that, but the cost as well. You got to buy this extra thing. Yeah. Uh, Milton, by the way, if you're in Japan, that is a definite Mercari item. We got our Milton CP tablets on Mercari. Uh, we got our Milton bucket, our trademark Milton bucket. Uh, that was mm. on Facebook, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Some people we knew who their kids getting a bit older sold that to us. So I would get all that stuff used. It's just like very simple equipment and it's meant to be sanitized so it's constantly cleaning itself i would say right you know, you're sanitizing that bucket every single day so i wouldn't worry too much about getting a used one and it's all just cheap plastic and tablets and stuff so it's not terrible but it is good to get it used rather than in a shop yep good call yeah so that's all i got about sanitizing um what are you thinking segment wise today uh i've got feeding bottle feeding specifically. We've been dealing with a pretty hungry little dude lately. Mm -hmm. And every couple of weeks, it seems this happens. Like he's fine, he's fine. And then suddenly he's like every hour and a half, two hours, he's like, give me some more. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be our, our timeline. And mm -hmm. he's, you know, six weeks right now. So it's about time. And he started being more fussy this week. Lately, we've been giving him about 100 milliliters every feed when we do a bottle. And we'll alternate mm -hmm. usually like my wife will breastfeed more often lately. And then between those, like I'll give a bottle or 
I'll add a little bottle to supplement whatever he's already eating. But it's never gone over like 100 milliliters, mm-hmm. except uh, this week, just a couple of days ago. We gave him 100 milliliters, and this was two hours after he'd breastfed, and he took that down super fast and was still super fussy. So we mm. gave him, like I think it was like 20 minutes later, we gave him another 40. Mm-hmm. So for that feed time, basically, he had 140, mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, well, this dude's eating a lot. So a lot of the feed times this week, I've, I've increased to 120, so I've been given 120. And I was just curious, so I started digging into it a little bit, like, what should we how how should we be increasing his feeds and according to a lot of what they say it's like just based on his fussiness like mm-hmm. is he more hungry more frequently then he mm-hmm. should be eating more so i have a a couple things to read from of course the what to expect book mm-hmm. and uh it says as a rule of thumb infants under 6 months who haven't yet started solid foods should be taking 2 to 2 and a half ounces of formula per 1 pound of body weight over a 24 hour period in practice that works out to somewhere between 18 to 36 ounces per day depending on your baby's size and okay. and so for coda i think that's a low number. Hmm. I did the math on it and that would put him right about like six to 800 milliliters per day. But I think he's close to maybe nine right now. Hmm. Interesting. It's always in the back of my mind um, when I hear info on the Japanese side. It's like, is this info about the average Japanese baby and does that apply to a Western baby? But from the What to Expect book, it is about Western babies. So right. Koda seems to be on the hungry end, even by the Western scale. Yeah, I think so. And we took him to his one month checkup a couple weeks ago and they I guess they were they were giving us a range for his daily weight gain and right now he's at about 60 or as of then I should say he's about 60 grams per day Mm -hmm. where I think they said the average was about 45 Mm -hmm. grams per day so Mm -hmm. he's a little on the high end yeah uh, Nico's been on the high end as well I forget what the numbers were but in the first month or second month they gave us a range of how many grams he should gain a day and he was something like 40 or 50% higher than the range, like the mm. top end of the range. Uh, then um, for the second to third month of his life, they gave us a range of like he should gain 25 to 50 grams a day. And he was like at 42. So he w- he had settled into the high end of the range rather than blowing the range out of the water. But he's gotcha. always been either above or high. So um, mm. we got a couple of growing boys on our hands, it sounds like. Yeah, mm. it does. Yeah. So it's a really hard thing to track because uh, with breastfeeding, you're not getting very precise right. milliliter counts. And I've had friends tell me in the past um, that, uh, you know, mothers, they said that they would pump breast milk, put it into a bottle, and then they felt that it was the best of both worlds because both parents can then feed at feeding time, say in the middle of the night, and you get accurate milliliter counts because you have a graded bottle, you know, with the measurements on the side. Uh, And then you can very clearly track all the progress of the baby. Uh, I would like to add too that, you know, we both use apps uh, and the feeding is the basic thing that we use the app for. So we're constantly writing in uh, how much milk the baby's taken in. With formula, you can write in exactly the milliliters, but yeah. with the breastfeeding section of the app, it always says like uh, time period. So it'll be, you can either do like 20 minutes of breastfeeding and leave it at that, or you could say, 
10 minutes on the left breast, 10 minutes on the right breast or something. So uh, you get a sense of how often he's eating, but not exactly how much. So if somebody really wanted to dig in and sort of track their baby, maybe the pumping method would be the way to go. Yeah, it's pretty difficult to do that one, though especially when they're increasing the amount that they're eating every time, Mm -hmm. because sometimes they'll just get fussy. And the easiest thing to do is just breastfeed. Yeah, for sure. And then you don't have that chance to pump and then measure and then add formula to whatever. So you get off of that cycle really quick. And then like right now we're, we're on a cycle of he's eating either breast milk or formula milk every two hours. And there's just no time to Mm -hmm. pump it first. Yeah. I've heard about some real lunatics out there who in the morning would make (laughs) like 10 bottles and put them in the fridge, whether it's uh, formula or breast milk. And then I I think a formula bottle, I don't have the exact numbers, but a formula bottle is supposed to last a day in the fridge and breast milk can last even longer in the fridge. Wow. if you got out way ahead of the game and you obsessively needed to track this, which not to denigrate it either, because maybe it would be very important in your situation to know this information, that would right. be one way to go about it. But nothing beats the convenience of like fussy baby, go to mom, and then his problem solved within 15 seconds. It is really tough, especially if, you know, even if you had the bottles in the fridge, you have to heat it up somehow. So then your baby goes from zero to 60 at the drop of a hat. So the baby cries and then you can't tell him to chill for five minutes while you're trying to make a bottle. (laughs) So you've got five minutes of scream going on versus like 10 seconds of scream going on. So I mean, I do do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I do as well. It like comes with the territory, but um, the breastfeeding way is just, uh, it's so easy to go right from the source and plus, you know, bonding time and, and that sort of thing. That's right. Are you, are you making bottles just formula? Yes, generally. Um, what we'll do what size are you making now? In the early days, we had a really stable progression and like a real system for it. It was uh, we would do breastfeeding and then bottle time. And the breastfeeding was limited enough that he was hungry for a bottle. So he would I think he started at a 40 mil bottle after breastfeeding, went up to a oh, 50 okay. to a 60, eventually got up to like an 80 after the breastfeeding. But that's when we switched gears around, say, one and a half months to two months. We really tried to maximize breastfeeding just to get the Mm. production as high as it could possibly be. Uh, They say, of course, we've mentioned before that uh, the mother's body responds to breastfeeding, especially and perhaps only during the first, say, three months. Uh, And then after those three months, the mother's body is sort of... um, hit its capacity limit. So if you want to increase your capacity, you have to focus on it early. Uh, And Mm. we decided, you know, Nico's only this week, three months old. So we decided in that last month to really make a push to increase the breastfeeding capacity. When we made that transition, that meant he was just breastfeeding more and then less interested in bottles. So now I'll do uh, one or two bottles a day and it varies wildly. Like sometimes we'll Hmm. see that he's maybe nodding off and probably not going to get two into a bottle. We might make 20. Um, But if it comes down to it and we need to travel somewhere and we just need to have a bottle handy, he'll take a hundred down easily, you know, no trouble at all. So Hmm. it's very situational. And now we sort of like look into his eyes, we size him up 
and we just try and guess a number and we typically <laughs> land on like uh, 40 to 50 and it's only a couple of times a day. It's very helter skelter, but you just start to feel it out based on what but it these, does. Then these are only to supplement the yeah. already breastfeed that's happening. Yeah. So exactly. he might be taking in already like a hundred breastfed yeah. milk and then you're, you may be giving him another hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the breastfeeding thing, um, We've, uh, my wife has like done a, a pumping sesh where she, I think broke a hundred mils in a, in a single pump. So Ooh. it's feasible that he could be getting that much, but then it varies so much, uh, because, you know, it depends on how recently he drank before and, uh, you know, mm. then anything about the mom's physical condition could change it slightly. So, uh, it's really hard to guess. Um, kind of what you can go by is how aggressively the kid is latching on and drinking. And um, right. sometimes toward the end of a breastfeeding, he seems to be getting frustrated. And then you start to realize, oh, maybe it's because there's not as much breast milk left in the tank and he wants more. And so now mm. is a really good bottle opportunity. So you have to kind of just observe the baby's cues and it, sometimes he falls asleep and there's no hope. So no bottle that time. Other times he's like still aggressively trying to drink after 30 minutes of breastfeeding. So do you, do you find that the time between them is a consistent like three hours then doing the breastfeed and then bottle? Yeah, he um, that's another one where you just sort of look to the baby for the cue because sometimes yeah. it'll be even two hours, two and a half hours. He'll get really fussy. But at night, especially, he's routinely sleeping five or six hours. So that mm. means that off that previous, uh, sometimes it is just a breastfeeding at night and he'll get uh, five or six hours sleep out of it. So um, mm. it's really situational and you really just, it, but it is, it's easy to understand the situation because you're doing it so many times a day. You just develop a sixth sense about what he's going to want at any given time. Yeah. During the day, Coda is pretty ravenous, I guess mm -hmm. I should say. It's like every two hours, almost on the dot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now we're increasing this week. But overnight, it's pretty impressive that he only breastfeeds and he's sleeping like three to four hour chunks. So mm -hmm. I think he's definitely building. He's like, I don't know if his body's telling him like eat more during the day because we got to sleep at night mm -hmm. kind of thing. But maybe. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of common wisdom. Uh, we've probably talked about it before, but they say that uh, formula will sit in the baby's stomach longer mm. than breast milk. So uh, if you did want to try to get your kid to sleep longer if you needed you know say five or six hours of sleep as opposed to two or three and you noticed your kids always only giving you two or three uh then a couple of methods would be give him a big fat formula bottle uh late at night and another would be to if he takes to it to swaddle him so he doesn't you know startle himself and yeah his arms fly out and he wakes himself up that way so if you get a big old formula bottle and swaddling then you've got a good chance at a six hour sleep window Maybe, yeah, maybe. I I don't think, I mean, for Moy, at least, that's probably not an option because she would still have to get up and pump or something. Yeah. And I think most moms would. And then yeah. Coda hates a swaddle. Hates it. Mm. <laughs> hates it. Little, little dude needs to have his hands up by his head when he's sleeping. Oh, yeah. Like it's at his, he's at a concert and he's raising the roof. He's raising the roof. <laughs> he's at a concert in 2002 and he's raising the roof. <laughs> yeah, 
it's uh it's so dependent on the kid's attitude and um yeah i think we've mentioned this before but like uh we use a sling sometimes and nico Mm -hmm. hates a sling or an ergo baby for about three minutes and then after the three minute threshold he's like this is really warm and i'm just gonna have a nap in here and he's just like (laughs) he goes from crying to out like a light and He'll sleep in an ergo baby like the, you know, the sort of harness that you wear that the baby sits in against nice. your chest. He could sleep an hour in that thing. Just awkward position, head lolling around, you know, legs splayed out to either side. But yeah. uh, it's the warmth and the bounciness. I think he loves it. So with a swaddle, sometimes, you know, if you don't torture your kid, obviously, but sometimes there's a little bit of a hump to get over. And uh, I mean, it is a, some of them are a little bit straight jackety. Yeah, for sure. Where you got the kids' arms locked in, and then you like Velcro it behind their back. Feel kind yeah. of bad. Yeah, <laughs> but babies are fundamentally crazy people, and crazy people need straight jackets, <laughs> and it keeps everybody happy and safe. <laughs> and that's why they're nice. there. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I got on bottle feeding. Okay, all my, that's all I got too random experience um if you like we can get into some uh, japanese of the day bring it on so i just mentioned this uh, at the end of segment time um the sling uh there are mm-hmm. a lot of brands a lot of types that are like very minimalist slings that are just a piece of fabric that sort of wrap around they're adjustable slings there are I guess you're getting out of the realm of sling when you talk about the ergo baby. It's more of a complicated harness system with a lot of buckles and straps and everything. Mm. Um, the Japanese word for sling is dakkohimo. Dakkohimo. Mm. And we talked about this Japanese last week, actually. Dakko is uh, yeah. to hold or to cradle. And then himo is the word for string. So mm. it is a string that lets you hold or cradle a baby, dakohimo. Um, have you used any slings at all? Not a sling. We tried. We got one of the, uh, I think it's the beta sling, mm-hmm. but he hates it. Mm-hmm. And we have two kind of carriers. One's a baby Bjorn carrier and one is a different brand, I think, Infantino. And mm-hmm. he really likes those. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I would say that Nico loves the the carrier, like the harnessy ergo baby yeah. carrier a lot more than the sling. Uh, the sling, I mean, they really only have one pose in the sling, which is fetal position, you know, because the sling is obviously right. curved around. And it takes a lot for the baby to not want to stretch out. Maybe if he's already very sleepy and already yeah. curled up for a nap, you could get away with it. But I really can't get Nico to be happy in a sling from the beginning. The baby Mm. carrier, though, he loves to be vertical, and the ergo baby is a vertically oriented thing. So uh, he'll get in there and sleep. And the ergo baby is highly recommended by me for like doing (laughs) chores around the house. Uh, (laughs) If the baby's in like needing attention mode and wants to hang out and wants to be up and looking around, just pop him in the ergo baby, fold laundry, do dishes, clean up is that the is that the brand ergo baby ergo baby is the brand name yes and it's an american company actually um hmm. 
they uh, they just make a line of different types of harnesses in different configurations. Uh, you can find, I think there's one called the Omni and the baby can look out or can you know have, face you as you carry him or her. Uh, okay. uh, we have the good old fashioned Ergo baby where the baby just faces your chest more or less. It's, it's not convertible? Uh, no, the one we have isn't. It's sort of like curved and, you know, made to, to cradle the baby toward you. But you can get any amount of housework done. You can walk around the neighborhood and do everything. And it's mm. so like got so many straps. It's like one of those like uh, hiking backpacks or something with all the belts and buckles. And you can get it really like sort of form fit to your body inserts to make the baby comfortable at different ages and that sort of thing. So I would mm. recommend that one for sure. Nice. Yeah, ours is pretty similar, except ours does convertible. Convertible in a, a lot of different ways. You can wear it on the front where he faces you, front where he faces out. You could wear it on your back like a backpack, and then, oh wow, again, he faces you or he faces out. So it's pretty pretty useful. Yeah, I would like to upgrade to one of those for sure, and I'll be combing the Mercari market very soon for one of those things. <laughs> uh, so that in Japanese is... Dakohimo, Dakohimo, and I think that brings us up to my question for you: Is okay. My question for you is, and this, uh, excuse me if this doesn't apply to you much because your baby's quite young still, but okay. um, how have you been with letting go of? baby things uh you know a baby grows so quickly there's so much turnover in his size and his interests and what keeps him occupied and that sort of thing so Mm. i find that with baby stuff you get something and you're like oh it's his first socks and then three weeks later you're like well these are useless they're tiny (laughs) and they like the full length of the sock won't even go up to his heel anymore and it used to go to his calf and so then it's like you develop an attachment to this sweet first baby item and within Mm. a matter of weeks it is fully useless to you but you can't keep every single thing so have you already confronted like needing to shelve or get rid of older baby stuff uh no not so much yet i think he's Mm. just starting to fill out all of his early clothes Mm -hmm. there's a couple things i just don't like which i'm kind of happy to get rid of yeah like there's some of those like the japanese style like tie onesies that they Mm. wear and i hate those because every time you pick them up they bunch up and suddenly you've got this thing around his neck and his butt's all bare. <laughs> so like, I just want the ones that snap around the diaper and are totally fine. Yeah. So I've found more, more than anything right now, I'm happy to not use and get rid of some of the older stuff that's not working. But I, there are a couple of things that I do like that I think once that stage happens, I might not want to get rid of it or I'll be sad when he doesn't fit it anymore. And do you think, are you the type who will squirrel it away somewhere, like put it in the baby box? I mean, the baby box would then overflow really quickly. So do you think you'll have a few boxes of old yeah, baby Yeah, we'll gear? need a baby chest of drawers for memories. Yeah, that's just <laughs> up in the attic <laughs> just right. for storage. Yeah, I don't know. I think we'll probably keep one or two things for sure. Yeah. yeah. I get attachments to that sort of stuff and I'm very bad 
like personally and emotionally with the end of things. I can't deal mm. with the end of anything. And uh, it's so you like, don't watch uh, a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I shut them off halfway through. I can't bear to, you know, we're at a time period right now where both Ozark and Better Call Saul are wrapping up and it's just, it's heart wrenching. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, not to date the episode, but um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm bad with those things. And then if, if you have any sort of sentimental attachment, I'm not good at uh, just saying mm. like, okay, take it down to the, you know, take it down to Goodwill, take it down to Second Street. So I, so far, um, we're still at the tail end of, we can pretend these things are still usable, even though they're not, you know, right. like his earliest onesies are still in his drawer, but we haven't put them on him for weeks because he's too fat now. So <laughs> we, uh, we'll have to make the hard decisions soon. And um, I don't have a method for it. I'm a big uh, Mary Kondo guy. I'm a con Mary method man, you oh. know. Mary you know, Kondo. Spark and joy. Get rid yeah, of spark it. and exactly. Spark and joy. I'm a we get rid of stuff consistently, uh, but um I've never had to marry condo myself out of baby possessions, which are very precious. So that'll be a new thing for me to deal with. I wonder I mean there must be like a way to reuse them so you don't have to get rid of them. Like maybe mm-hmm. turn them into like a stuffed animal or yeah. like some kind of quilt. Yeah, yeah. Something could be done. And there must have been a lot of people out there with the same feeling. There are probably whole services dedicated to this, like send us mm. 50 onesies and we'll produce a, uh, we'll produce a winter coat for a 15 year old. <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> I can't do the math, but um, yeah, something like that. So I'll look into that more and figure. It yeah. Out. I think that'd be a good idea. Now that I think about it, I might want to do that with some of Coda's older stuff, like turn it into a blanket. Because Moe is yeah. pretty good at sewing and not to give her more jobs to do, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. she might enjoy that one. We've got a lot of uh, sewing ready uh, grandmothers and aunts and stuff. Just nice. Just lying in wait for us to dump a box of baby clothes on. So we'll see what we can do. All right. Well, that was my question for you is, uh, and I think there's time for a few dad jokes. Okay. You have some this week? Yeah, I stumbled upon a whole new type of dad joke. A whole new type? A whole new type. These are Japanese, uh, but hopefully they're easy enough to get. Okay. This is when uh, you divide... Say You're saying a sentence, right? And Japanese is traditionally very staccato. It's like, you know... Mm. Whereas a uh, romance language like English or French kind of flows, Japan mm. is more like da, 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 like that. So depending on where you divide the da, 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 then you get different words depending on how you arrange it. So, uh, for example, this sentence, panskutta, panskutta means I made bread. But if you say, <laughs> but if you say panskutta, it means I ate underpants. Right. So... <laughs> Panskuta and Panskuta. Uh, I made bread or I ate underpants. And these are just some little fun phrases you can use here and there. Uh, nice. The next one that I'm reading, these are from a website called Gaijin Pot. And this was compiled by uh-huh. a writer uh, by the name of Kelsey Lark. Um, but the, uh, the other one I liked, well, I'll get through all of them eventually. But this one, uh, it says... <laughs> 
mm, komatazo means, hmm, that's puzzling. Uh, but if you said, un komatazo, it means, I've been waiting to poop. <laughs> <laughs> so once more, we've got un komatazo and un komatazo. You're either saying that's puzzling <laughs> or I've been waiting to poop. I've got a couple more of these, but I don't want to overrun dad joke time. So what have you? what do you have in the way of dad jokes? Okay, I've got a few. How does a cucumber become a pickle? Ooh, I don't know. It goes through a jarring experience. <laughs> good. Very good. <laughs> Very good. And why did the student eat his homework? Um, oh, because he needed to pass a test. <laughs> That's pretty good. That has to be it. That's pretty good. I feel like that should be the answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, but these are for kids. So okay. <laughs> it's because the teacher told him it was a piece of cake. Oh, okay. Well, that's precious. Uh, I like my dirtier version. I do like your passing better. <laughs> okay. I'm going to cap us off with two more of these. Okay. Uh, this one says, Burashi uh, wasureta. Burashi wasureta means I forgot my brush, but bura shiwasureta means I forgot to put on a bra. <laughs> so be very careful where you divide your, your words. Uh, the last one is, Tosan ka tsukareta na. And that means bankruptcy, huh? That's got to be tough. But if you say, <laughs> Tosan katsurakatta na, it means, it looks like dad bought a toupee. anyway if you're fluent in japanese and the situation arises (laughs) where you're talking about somebody's bald dad going bankrupt i mean that's going to go over really well yeah be careful (laughs) so be careful use these dad jokes at your own peril that's all i got all right that's all i got too well Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at JPops Podcast or by email at info at the Talk to you next time. It's pizza time.